We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. All right, welcome in. Let's get going. MPW Digital post-game show. I am Chase Parham. Thanks for uh, everybody jumping in the stream here, I'm assuming you guys can uh, can hear me. Give me some thumbs up or something. We got a good show tonight. Ole Miss 73, Mercer 7. The uh, the Rebels score. Uh, I guess let's do a little bit of math here. 66 uh, 66 straight after old, after Mercer had scored seven, a 75 yard run on their first play from scrimmage. All Rebels from there. We are going to uh, go in a minute to uh, Jeffrey Wright. Then we're going to talk to Pete DeWeese. I got Brian Rippey in the bullpen if needed, and Neil McCready coming after uh, all the press conference stuff today. So good show coming up here uh, with you. We'll watch some football. We'll talk about the Rebels. We'll go through uh, a crazy offensive stat game for Ole Miss. Ole Miss, terrific at the quarterback position. Trey Harris setting the Ole Miss record for uh, receiving touchdowns. He gets three of them in less than four minutes. And then another later on, four receiving touchdowns in the debut for Trey Harris. Just a, uh, a a huge day there for the uh, the Ole Miss passing game over 500 yards, three quarterbacks playing, all that good stuff going on there. The uh, the post game show brought to you by Dead Soxy every week. The Rebels tried to run up that sock deal for you. Go to deadsoxy.com from now until kickoff for two lanes. So 2:30 on Saturday, almost a uh, a full week. You get an opportunity. 40% off, 40% off your socks, your uh, your purchases there at uh, at Dead Soxy. Just uh, a great deal. Again, it was a uh, it was a margin of victory sale, but they capped it at 40. The Rebels win by 66, 40% off with Dead Soxy. So seriously, take advantage of that. The good people at Dead Soxy are uh, hosting or are, are su- supporting us, presenting this pod- this podcast, this uh, post game show for the second straight year. So get some great socks. I've got some on right now. I wore them to the game today. They don't slip. They stay up. They stay over your calves. The uh, no-shows are great for golf, just uh, walking around, doing whatever you are, out and about. Awesome stuff there from Dead Soxy. This will be in podcast form as well immediately following the the post-game show. As soon as it's live, we'll put it in podcast form. Podcast version also presented by Twisted Tea. We'll get to Twisted Tea here in a little bit 
as uh, as well. So all that uh, coming up today and more. Again, we'll go to Jeffrey here in a minute, just letting everybody kind of get in, letting it uh, pick up a little bit. Jackson Dart was terrific. We'll look at stats here in a bit, but uh, hits his first 11. Goes 18 for uh, 24, 300, I think 34 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, yes, Dead Soxy Code, thanks, Ginger, is Rebel Grove. That would be a great help. Rebel Grove is the uh, Dead Soxy uh, discount code there. So Rebel Grove, one word, all the way across, Rebel Grove, and you'll get 40% off there with Dead Soxy. Thanks for the, uh, the assist. That's uh, a huge deal. Great for them in a number of ways. Great for you all the way around um, on that. Yeah, uh, Dion shocking the world. We'll talk some football there. I got to find something on the TV right now. What's the best game on? It's 4:40 p.m. as we're doing this. What's uh What's the best live game we got going on? As I'll go to Jeffrey here in a second, but that's the setup here. Again, I'll be your tour guide for uh, the next little bit as we uh, get some good guests, talk some football here with you again. Ole Miss 73, Mercer seven. A ton done in the passing game. Ole Miss really throwing the ball the entire game, getting a look at the quarterbacks. Um, tough news out of the uh, tight end position if Hudson Wolf's injury is uh, lingering on. You know, it's probably the best moment of the day, him getting his first catch. He's worked so hard to get back. He's had the back issues. He gets the 18-yard uh, uh, grab, immediately comes off, goes to uh, the sidelines, looked like a shoulder situation, and uh, went to the training room, never returned. Uh, indications, we don't have anything official but on um, the Ole Miss radio broadcast, John Darnell saying it did not look good there coming off the field for Hudson Wolf. So just a little sick about that right now. Tied in position with Priest Corn out for probably a couple more weeks at least is uh, is a big deal there as well. So we'll we'll monitor that. We'll keep uh, contact to that as we uh, as we kind of move forward there. Let me try to get Jeffrey on the uh, on the call now. Give me one second and we'll get to that um, here on the uh, on the show. Are we doing video or not? No, we are not on video and you're live. Just heads up on that. All right. How you doing, bud? Uh, I am well. How are we all feeling out there? Uh, I think they're feeling pretty good. Pretty good offensive day for uh, for the Rebels. I was just saying right before you came on, I don't know if you were there or not. Actually, you might be in the screen and I don't know it. Um, if so, no, I don't guess you are. Okay. I could probably put you there, but I'm a little worried about what it's going to look like if I hit the button. So I think we're just going to avoid that. Um, if all right. uh, if all I'll good just, with you, I'll kill. I'll kill that. There we go. Yeah, there you go. All right, Jeffrey joining us now. Uh, how was uh how was the first Saturday with our first football official full Saturday with the kids so far? Uh, so far the biggest problem that we had today was my Direct TV genie like completely crapped out on me like basically at like 1105 so we had to deal with a panic for about a quarter and then after that it's been pretty solid um Aaliyah got uh, for those out there that are that are curious uh whether or not I hate Ole Miss I'm letting my daughter wear uh an Ole Miss onesie so there you go um overall it was you know it was the same I feel like it was the same as always. My wife just was. My wife had a kid in her arms more than I did. <laughs> so we had several. Oh, you got a pop there. What was that? We got, we, we got the we got the we got almost like the the McCready Siski thing. We got the pop going on. That that was a that was a nooner. Okay, gotcha. What flavor? What are we doing? Uh, I got peach here. I don't hate peach. That one's fine. I don't yeah. hate peach. Peach pineapple. I'll tell you what I do not like. I do not like the high noon tequilas. No, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. Nope, on those. Not for me. 
Not for me. Uh, quarterbacks. Jackson Dart gets the start. We all expected that. It happened as uh, really as expected. Jackson Dart, we were told by sources, was told several uh, weeks ago that he was going to start. Uh, that came to fruition. He plays into the third quarter, about midway through the third quarter. Again, hits his first 11. I, I know it was Mercer. I get that the defensive backs are not exactly SEC quality. I thought he was really good, though. I thought the accuracy was good. I thought he made good decisions. I thought he re- thought he really drove the football into lanes. I mean, g- considering the opponent and everything else, that was pretty much an A-plus from Dart today, I thought, Jeffrey. Yeah, I completely agree. I actually thought it was really weird that Lane... I thought it was really weird that Lane was, like, trying to play it... Uh, I, I don't know, like... Is he trying to keep everybody happy? I don't know. That I, I thought that was super weird. Um, yes, he's trying to, I mean, he's definitely trying to keep everybody happy. He's got multiple quarterbacks he wants to play to whatever degree. There's 100% for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was, and I think it was a deal. I'm not even sure he told Sanders. I think he might have just told Dart. So, first of all, I think that's weird. All right, but I, I could not agree more. I, I think this is Jackson Dart's team, and I think it's a mistake to try and do this dance that Kiffin does. I think it's very weird. Um, I thought, didn't you feel like he was quicker on decisions today? Yeah, I thought he. Like I said, I thought he operated. He looked comfortable. I mean, you know, it's again, it's it's one game. It's all those sample sizes. I'm, I'm going to kind of do that few good men thing. I'm going to make that caveat once, so we don't say it every time. But no, everything about what he did today was more comfortable than last year for. The entirety of his performance today, he was moving better. He was faster with decisions. He went to the reads. He found a couple secondary reads in a much more timely fashion, kind of the way you would draw it up from a script standpoint. There was there was a ton there, and then when he actually delivered the football, I mean, he had pretty wide open lanes, but he, he hit pretty much everybody on target except for that one little two-throw uh, deal, I guess, right there at the end of the first half. Yeah, that one at the end of the south end zone that was like right – Kind of like on the right, on the near side sideline. That that one. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah, I still. Someone either fell down. He threw the. I don't know. That that, that was a weird play. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like sometimes Kiffin can. I feel like sometimes Kiffin could be like a kid playing a video game. Like I, I feel like he totally forgot that Matt. Matt was very up and down his first year, and. It's almost like he just remembered Matt's junior year. And I actually think Dart was pretty solid last year. Like, I thought he was tough. Uh, I I thought he played pretty well. And I think he's poised to have a really good year this year. What's, you know, even beyond that, I mean, what's improvement-wise? I mean, you know, what what, what is Dart? What's the thing that you need to see next week versus Tulane as they get into conference play, that kind of thing, to see where things are at? I mean, if he's still pulling the trigger as quick as he did today, like, I just today, it's so tough to sit there and take too much away from today because, you know, the quality of opponent, like, you looked at, you looked at Mercer on the field and didn't you just think, like, oh, my God, these guys do not belong? Like, that was my first instinct, was these guys physically have no business being on the same field, and so you don't know what to make of it. But next week, if he's pulling the trigger and making the decisions as quickly as he did today, then I feel really good. Yeah, Everything I told. today just felt like, every, I, you know, I know you reported that the, the 
practice, whatever the, what did they call the scrimmage last week? Whatever their, their the mock, mock game. game. Yeah. 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 It, it seems to me if, if the reports are accurate, like if they were telling you the truth, did that feel like a continuation of the mock game from last week? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all the way, uh, I, I, I mean, like I said, it, it was one of those deals where when you get a guy into the next, the next year, that second year, and you always talk about, hey, what does that need to look like? Even though it was what it yeah. was, that was exactly what it looked like to me. Correct. Like every didn't it just feel, I, it felt smooth when he was out there. I mean, their first what? Their how many? Let's, let's pull a drive chart up. TD, 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 TD. Fumble, not his fault. Because that was probably going to be a TD as well. I mean, field goal. He scored on every drive with the exception of the one where Bentley fumbled. And they were going to score there, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small sample size, but Sanders in general? He looked like Spencer Sanders to me. Okay. Um, What does that mean? uh, You know, he's a gunslinger. He'll throw it down. He is not afraid to throw it downfield. But there's a reason why he has, you know, 40 interceptions in his career. But, you know, it's, it's a nice luxury to have. But to me, like, this is dumb. Like, Spencer Sanders should only play if Jackson gets hurt. So, we get the ability to have that speculation. And that's where I was going. So, you did a pretty good segue there for me. Do you think they both play next week against Tulane? Or if it's a close game, this is simply just Jackson Dart's team? There could be, like, a package for Sanders but don't I don't know like what would it be like a goal line package I mean it's not like Spencer it's not like Spencer has really that different of a skill set than Jackson he's just a little bigger so I don't you know what I mean like I it seems to me like Jackson Dart won the job because I don't feel like he came in I don't feel like Sanders came in today until you know, it was over. Done. Yeah. But that, it's back to your point. I mean, I really don't want to belabor because we're in the season now. It is what it is. It doesn't even necessarily matter. But I agree with you. I think Jackson Dart won it. I think it's his team. I think that's what everything we've seen has been that situation. But that still remains, what in the world has this been all week? Because if that's the case, everybody's known this really, even if he wasn't told directly, even including Spencer Sanders. So... To me, it's either one of two things, and I'm willing to, if someone else has another suggestion of an alternative theory, uh, by all means, it's either, number one, Lane just trolling, and Lane's a troll, like we know that, Uh, or it's, I'm very worried about uh, upsetting somebody's feelings, like maybe promises were made to Spencer, and, but I don't know, I didn't really get that sense on the sideline, Spencer kind of seemed into it on the sideline, like, you know, he was happy for his guy. Like, I I don't know. That that would surprise me more than anything. But, like, does, uh, to me, it's either one of those two things, right? Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm legitimately asking. Is It just doesn't make a lot of sense. When you see how it played out today and then move it forward, you know, I I, I don't know what that purpose was. Again, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But it just it, it sort of baffled me my, as I watched it. This... I think that I think the simple answer is Lane was trolling because I think Lane has been proven to be a troll at this point. Um, the only other thing I can really think of is that 
you know, Lane brought Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard in for a reason. And I think that reason was at best to push Jackson Dart. But I think I personally believe that it was to run off Jackson Dart. And Jackson Dart rose to the occasion. And to me, that's another reason why he'd be my guy. Like, the fact that you push him like that, and then all of a sudden, not only is he, does he rise to the occasion, I think he's exceeded expectations. I mean, uh, that's that's really the only other thing I can think of. Well, and it's one of those deals where it's not even necessarily run him off directly like that. It's just you get the best, whatever that is. You know what I mean? Like, if he, if, yeah, if, yeah. if he comes up, great. If not, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's the maybe try to give yourself the best opportunity because if I am quote unquote trying to run him off and I don't and he becomes the guy, well then inadvertently I've gotten the guy. Right. Um, huge day. He uh, gets four touchdowns. A secondary is what it is for Mercer. Are we? How much are we reading into Trey Harris today? I I don't think we can really read anything. Right. Like he just physically, he physically. I mean. That was the thing about to me about Mercer. That defense was just so overmatched. Um, you know, you'd rather you'd rather him have that kind of day than not. Uh, but I, I just don't think that you can. I don't think that you can say because he did that today that he's all of a sudden going to be, you know, one of the top wide receivers in the SEC. I'm, I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. But I don't. I think the. I think the thing to remember about today is. Hey, enjoy the win. It was fun. It was great. Uh, you did nothing of concern. Sure. But I also I also would avoid thinking that this means all of a sudden Ole Miss is going to have the best offense in the league. It, it's the, Yeah, it's the situation where you could have – we've seen this before, and you easily could have done things that would have went cold water, cold water, cold water, there's a problem, this is not going yeah. to go well, this is an issue, and you didn't do any of those. So even if you get a right. bunch of incompletes, incompletes are not a bad thing after the FCS game. Nope. You just move on from there and play and, and play football. Yeah, it, to me, like that's the thing. Is like Sometimes people will interpret it like, oh, well, you're like saying they can't be good. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm completely open to the possibility that this could be one of the best offenses in the league. But I just don't think you can say – because they did that against Mercer, like all of a sudden we should be rewriting the Ole Miss record books because because of what we're going to see the next eleven games. On that topic, on that side, I do think the defense has some incompletes. Uh, statistically, they played incredibly well after that first play. You know, Pete DeWeese had had shown on Pete's Pigskin preview early in the week that Mercer's all about the eye candy and doing a lot of misdirection and things to to get you <laughs> off your, your mark. First play, I definitely think we saw so. That the first play, yeah, yeah. seventy five yards for the quarterback, uh, PV for a touchdown there on the first play. But the rest of the first half, Mercer only had uh, they had negative two rushing yards because of a lot of big you know plays behind the line of scrimmage for Ole Miss. Um, overall, Ole Miss just dominated this game statistically, but from an eyesight standpoint. There were some plays for Mercer that they either dropped or they didn't hit or they did some execution things that were open. I thought they got some push at times up front with their offensive line. I, I, I do think, for the most part, it was an incomplete for the Ole Miss defense. Yeah, I agree with you because uh, one of my all-time favorite things to watch in football, my two favorite reactions are when a quarterback like PV goes 80 yards and you can see like the last 20 yards he's having to look around because he can't believe like he's going to score like when he's at like is, am I really this 
am I really this open? Like, is this is this going to happen? And then I love when a DB, uh, a, like a ball's just thrown out of bounds and the DB gives the incomplete, like he knocked it away. Those are my two favorite football reactions. I think the, if you, like if I were trying to be ultra critical and you were tasking me with saying, you know, nitpick everything you saw today, the one thing that concerned me a little bit and um, was I did not think the defense looked particularly fast. Um, but I'm also open to the idea of, we've talked about this, you know, a bunch of times. Defense, more than anything, oftentimes is like effort and assignment. And I feel like it's pretty hard to get up for the Mercer game. So I don't even know if that's like a fair criticism. But I did not feel like athletically that that defense popped off the page. I'm going to get, uh, again, Pete's going to follow you up. He's going to talk some schematics with us here uh, coming up on the show in a few minutes. Um, but just on that note, was there was it kind of what you would just expect from a Pete Golding defense? I mean, it looked like you would think. Yeah, and also I think let's also give some credit because clearly Mercer had schemed up that very first play and schemed it up quite nicely. And then really, other than that, like I don't ever remember them getting – Gashed? Did they? No, I don't remember anything at all. They, they, from a busted play standpoint, from a standpoint of you know making a bunch of assignment errors, no, they really cleaned that up. I thought it was good. I thought they were really good in that yeah, way. I, they just got beat physically a little bit, and that's you know however you want to phrase that. Yeah. So after that, after that, Mercer had three chunk chunk plays, one of which came with three twenty one left in the game. And three oh nine in the third. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. To me, like I, I felt like in general, after that first play, they they looked like you'd want them to look. Like I never felt like anyone was really out of position. Um, I did not feel like there were significant busts. Like even on plays that Mercer didn't execute, I still didn't feel like like oh my god they missed a touchdown play. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, Ole Miss was so out of position that they got lucky. Uh, you know, uh, I, I do I think that's going to be a top half of the league defense? No, but I do think that they – I do think that they're better than last year. Yeah, I, I'll buy that. I mean, because like I said, I, you know, I had a stat a couple weeks ago in something I wrote that they um, – were one of the worst teams in the country at giving up rushes over 10 yards. If yes. you can just sort of break that away and just stop that play, they become a, and I mean this in a good way, an average SEC defense. No, I, I think if they're an average SEC defense, I think they're a better team this year. Yes. Because, I mean, I, I really felt like last year, I felt like last year, the the dam really really broke in the second half of the year and if you needed to get a stop you just you weren't going to get one I'm gonna... oh i gotta tell you the oh because you're laying this aren't you the hue emotional uh the hue emotional uh hedge all year is going to be the play so you're really you're you're going to enjoy money or enjoy Hugh Freeze losing football games every single week. Yeah, line doesn't matter, matchup doesn't matter. We're just getting one of the two. 
Correct. Yeah, uh, that's that's the way that I'm going to play this out. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess the other question is, do you think that they've have they upgraded at receiver? Because that is like a, to me like a big question. If this offense is going to be really good, it is proven that you've got to have you got to have elite receivers, and. I don't know, man. Like that's that's a that's a real question for me. I mean, I just pulled it up here. Um, receiving today, I mean, Harris is obviously the the, the front runner, six one thirty three and four. So either he is or isn't. We'll see as time goes on what that looks like and where that moves from yep. there. Um, Jordan Watkins goes six catches for one hundred and eleven. We know what Jordan is. He's a very capable SEC wide receiver, but he's not a one A guy, or you don't need him to be a one A guy he's, for sure. Well, um, to me, Wat- Watkins has proven that he is like the definition of, like, replacement-level receiver. Like, you're, you, he is he, like he's, he is deserving of being on the field, but, like, yeah, if you ever have to make him your number one, then you're in trouble. Kyron Heath, I actually had a pretty good day uh, at tight end, although it wasn't really tight end. He was, sw- he was slotted out a good bit. It was out wide for the yeah. most part with Heath. But three for 48, Trigg in the second half suits up, goes three for 44. Um, I was asked this. Again, this is 5 o'clock on Saturday, so if something comes out, I don't know it. Um, I have no idea if him dressing for the second half is because he was suspended for the first half or if he was suspended for the entire game, but they only had one healthy tight end. No idea. I don't know which way that that, that is moving. Um, Aiden Williams gets his first couple catches, two for 47. Also had a, a penalty that brought back a, a pretty long Ulysses Bentley run during the game. Judkins a couple catches. This is, I, I get, you know, whatever, but it is noteworthy they got the running backs involved in the passing game. They said they're going to do that, and they did do that a little bit. Dayton Wade with a catch, Braylon Brown with a catch, some other guys with a catch as well. But this this feels like, from a 1A standpoint, it's Trey Harris, or they just have a lot of capable, deep, wide receivers. But if you're doing that, you need really four or five. You need guys who uh, who definitely can run correct routes and give you a lot of options in the passing game. I wish Ole Miss had, you know, if if Ole Miss and Tennessee run similar offenses, I wish Ole Miss had the 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 one guy that's just so freaking fast that all he does is run the go route. Like I wish they had that element, but I just still don't see that. Yeah, you know, the Jalen Hyatt, and then like today, I can't remember whoever number nine is for Tennessee. Like you can tell, nine's the new Jalen Hyatt. He's the guy that's just going to run really fast down the field. And Ole Miss is not. I mean, yeah, that 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 human. I don't as think far they have that. I haven't. Like, I've not seen that guy. I mean, maybe he's on the roster, but I haven't seen him. Well, yeah. I mean, even and if they haven't, they're not. They haven't done that yet. Hang on. How many plays were there today? That I, how many plays did I watch? I watched uh, seventy-four plays from Ole Miss and sixty-eight from Mercer. Yeah. Um. Someone asking the stream, just repeating that. Yeah, Caden Priestcorn surgery on Thursday on his foot. The expectation is three weeks. That would have him missing the Mercer, Georgia Tech, and Tulane games, and would be back for Alabama if that's on schedule. So that's that's why they are in the uh, the situation they are at a uh, at tight end at the moment. Um, so what what's the deal with Wolf? Because he got some action and like he, he got hurt. I don't know, he kind of he got he hurt the part. He uh, he looks like he may. Uh, I, I hate to put a an adjective on it, but he he had what appeared to be a shoulder injury on that catch. So a guy who has been coming back that from guy, a back that, injury for two years, it looks say, like he hurt a shoulder. Guy's, 
that guy's career is just snake bit. Yeah, it, it's it was. I was really happy for him. I saw it. I kind of went immediately to Twitter and was like, "Yeah, this is really really cool." And then I guess yeah, it was that Neil was that leaned over. Too. Yeah, he look he looks the part. He looks good. And about that time, uh, Brett Norsworthy walked over and told me and Neil that uh, that it looked like he had he had injured his shoulder. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so that's where I'm, that was uh, I'm, I'm, sitting. I'm gonna. I I feel bad for him. Before I go to Pete Jeffrey, um, Colorado, TCU, Prime, are, are we doing a week one overreaction because TCU is awful at defense, or are we really, really resetting our expectations here? Well, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, I think it's a reminder that, uh, don't forget, Chandler Morris won the job last year and then got hurt in the Colorado game. And for those that watched that season opener last year, when Morris got hurt and then Duggan came in, their offense immediately got better. It's a reminder that like Chandler Morris is really not a good quarterback. Um, and then secondly, I, again, people can roll their eyes and say like, uh, you know, I'm just a hater or whatnot. Like, Dion is a reminder that guys, just because <laughs> these go. people make, just because these people make a ton of money. And we care about this sport. Don't make the mistake of thinking that like it's really hard to do. This is not like advanced molecular engineering. Like it, it's football. Get some players. Get some good coaches, and let them go to work. And I think the other thing to remember: I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback. But when it comes to being a good, solid college quarterback, Shador is a good quarterback. He's accurate with the ball. He's athletic enough to extend plays. And he's, you know, he's got good instincts. Like, I, I just think far too often, because we, we think it's like a really, really hard job. All these guys are freaking PE coaches if they're not college football coaches. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I, I just don't understand why we act like why, – why, why do you think that we – that's, like, a interesting, like, societal question. Why do you think that we want to believe that this is somehow, like, alchemy? Because we care about it so much. You want it like it's your leader. It's like what people put a lot of their time and their discretionary money right, but, into them but, and all that stuff. You want it. You want it. You want it to be a hey. Th this is my guy, and this is above me. This is something that I don't. You know. Plus, I, I think, and it's not necessarily at coaches, just in general. There's enough like lingo and lexicon stuff that makes you not think you can understand it. You know what I mean? Right, but that's by design. They don't want. I think that's the other thing. I think the other thing that's interesting to me about Dion is there is a significant amount of Dion hate, and I think it largely comes it largely comes from the coaching community because, like, I think deep down they know, like, hey, you can make a lot of money and you really don't have to be that impressive of a person if you just get the right gig, um, and Dion throws all that. You know what I mean? Like Dion doesn't do it by the book and doesn't do it their way. And so I think I think that lends itself to a lot of hate and a lot of shade. Um, I just would remind you that Ed Orgeron probably uh, is below average 
Uh, if you gave him an IQ test, significantly below average. And he was the head coach of arguably the greatest team that's ever been assembled. So let's let's maybe keep that in perspective. Uh, again, I'm going to attribute this to the right place or uh, to whatever, but it's 5 o'clock. We're seeing in the stream somebody saying they've talked to family members at Hudson Wolf uh, in surgery for a collarbone injury. Do not know that to be true uh, outside of that, but that is just what I am seeing in the stream as we're talking. So, God, that sucks. For it, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to the point of affecting my mood. Um, Last thing with that, though, I mean, Colorado, I mean, are we, are we going like, hey, wow, no, it's just a matter of what – Number of well, I mean, wins from the bowl eligibility. I mean, what, like, what, what's the what's the deal now? I mean, wouldn't the perfect the perfect scenario would be then they lose to Nebraska next week, right? Well, sure. I mean, that, that's what I'm hoping for, just um, for the chaos. With that said, like, I don't know that that to me looks like a team that's going to be functional in the Pac-12. Let's see what their schedule is. Um. Juan Jeffrey's looking that up. Uh, Auburn beating UMass 52-7 to right now going into the fourth quarter. So a good chance that Hugh covers this first game and that UMass's quarterback situation was more about uh, North Carolina State than it was New Mexico UMass. State. I'm sorry, yes, exactly, yes. All right, so against Nebraska, there will be a massive overreaction. Uh, they'll be favored. Uh, they'll be favored against Colorado State. At Oregon, they'll be a dog. USC at home, they'll be a dog. At Arizona State, who struggled to beat Southern Utah, they'll be favored. Stanford, UCLA, they'll be a dog. Oregon State, they'll probably be a dog. Arizona at Washington State at Utah. Yeah, they, they got the outside shot of a bowl because they'll be one, two, three, four, five. I think they can win five games, and then they're going to need to they're going to need to sneak up on somebody to upset. You know, they're going to have to like win. You got to beat either like UCLA on the road, Oregon State at home, or at Wazoo. Like games that you need to flip to be a bowl team. Okay, so you're not going some crazy eight I'll win t- overreaction. Okay. Oh no 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 no. Uh, but I mean, you know what? Their win total was like two and a half, dude. Yeah. No, no, they're already a third away to the cash. Let's call Let's call Pete now. Yeah, I'm showing, you're right, G, I am showing all the patients right now. That was, I, I had a minute, and I, I kind of did the, the, the channeling Neil thing from when he was uh, not freaking out the other day because it was one of those deals where I went, this, this could go really, really, really poorly, and I have to just kind of keep the composure right now. So we're, uh, we're doing all right. All right, we're going to... Uh, we're going to call Pete. Give me one second. Yeah, chat never changed or anything. That's that's incredible. Um, I apologize to Jeffrey for that because it. I could tell something was going weird and he was still talking and it just kind of hung up. So I, I hate that that, that that happened, but it is what it is. Um, he'll forgive me. And we'll go back to him if we need to at some point. Pete, how are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing lovely. Thanks for uh, giving us a little time today. Um, I uh, just had a little bit. I don't know if you were paying attention. I had a uh, computer malfunction right there in the middle of the show, and I, my, my heart rate's about 185 right now. But otherwise, I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty good. So it's uh, 
I chimed in right as you were getting back on. So okay. glad you were able to get it back up and running. So I don't even really know what to ask you to start this thing off here, but we'll uh, we'll do this. I, I, well, we'll start it. I, I know what I want to say is you uh, you did your pigskin preview, uh, first play of the game. You look like the the biggest genius in the football world as as Mercer ran some of the things you were talking about and goes for seventy five yards for a touchdown. Did they look? Did they present the challenges on offense that you did expect uh, today? And and honestly, I I kind of fired myself by the middle of the first quarter because. I didn't get to watch them much last week, hardly at all. I focused on what they had done in the past, things that I had seen from studying them a little bit over the summer. And uh, they came out really much more pro-style and got away from a lot of the wing tee principles that they've been heavily relying on the past couple of years. So the first play, they come out and they just run power read. I mean, Lord Ole Miss, between power read and counter read, I mean, that's a big part of what Ole Miss does on offense. So, Certainly something the defense has seen before. Now, from that presentation, was it something they were expecting from that formation, that motion combination, all of that? I, I don't have an answer for. Um, but I I, uh, I was a little bit surprised, like I said, that Mercer played a little bit more of a, a spread, almost pro style at times, West Coast and some of the quick game that they were trying to throw um, and not really in much of the, the wing tee element at all. Um, and so I, I don't know what Pete Golding and staff spent the week preparing for. I don't know what the players spent the week preparing for. But, um, you know, I, I would think that there were certainly some adjustments to be made. And there were some halftime adjustments for sure. Um, but, but even early in the game, I'm curious to know how much of the game plan changed very quickly. So I guess we'll start defensively for Ole Miss. We're just kind of quick thoughts there overall for what you saw personnel and, and team-wise for the Rebels. Um, you know, defensively, I, I mean, there's no point in crowning anybody after a victory over Mercer. But I, the big thing to me was I thought that Ole Miss leveraged the football better than I've seen them do consistently throughout the course of a game in a while. Um, you know, safeties were fit in the box when they needed to fit the box. And, and there were some times and some run fits that there's no doubt that they're going to want to have back. Um, but that was the biggest thing to me early on, you know, they were in the first half, they were getting some easy throws in the flat and they were finding some leverage on some screens to the running back, just little swing passes where they were blocking for him on the perimeter. But I thought Ole Miss adjusted, but the big thing to me, like I said, was, um, they played fast up front for most of the time. And I thought that they leveraged the football and, and they weren't just grossly misfitting things consistently. Uh, for the idiots in the stream that probably would include me as well, when you say leveraging the football, what exactly are we talking about? Well, so, you know, based on how your scheme, and, and this is fairly simplistic, and I, I'd actually love to hear Siski's take on a lot of this, just knowing that he's been in under that defensive umbrella a little bit. But typically defensively, you're either going to set an edge, turn it back to your help, or you are going to – take the inside gap, force the ball to spill off the table, string it to the sidelines, and let the secondary come fit late, right? Um, in the high school game, you get teams that live in one or the other. In the college games, you have to be able to play both. And, and so when you talk about leveraging the football, it is if they're going to run a play where they're going to you know, try to block down and kick guys out, is how are you going to defend it? Are you going to – you're going to get underneath it, force it to spill out, and let your safeties come fill. 
Um, or are you going to turn it back and let your backside players come and fit it from the backside? And there weren't many times in the game, I thought, where it was just inconsistent. You know, there weren't points where the safety fit outside, but the linebacker fit outside, which are some things that we've seen in the past. And when you're playing that three-high look that Ole Miss played last year with three safeties on the field, how you fit things and how you leverage things with your box and the number of gaps that the offense presents and how you match those gaps is very important. Being a little bit more traditional now, um, almost they just look sound up front. Mm-hmm. How much of that is you look for? I mean, when you go into next week, I mean, I guess we'll preview what you'll talk about for Tulane on Thursday a little bit, is how much of that is things that you just need to do in your own schemes and whatever, and how much of that is opponent-dependent that they can force you out of doing those things as soundly? I mean, is that is that about you or them? Well, I mean, if you get a team that's going to play four wide or five wide the whole game, it's going to change how you fit things. You okay. have to leverage things a little bit differently, right? If, if – if a team's going to put three or four receivers to one side, you know, like, for instance, you take Tennessee, okay? When you watch Tennessee play, whether they're in a two-by-two two formation or three-by-one formation, they are going to push those receivers out as far as they can. And you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to play man coverage and leave my safeties to fit the run? Or am I going to have to widen my safety, stay over the top, because we know they want to take shots mm-hmm. and be reliant on my, my box players, my D-line, my linebackers, to – to control the run game. So opponents can certainly play a factor in that because you're going to defend that group differently than you're going to defend an Alabama or an Arkansas that's going to play with one, if not two tight ends for a lot of their snaps. But you're also going to have to be prepared when they suddenly jump into a four wide presentation and there's no longer a tight end. From a stat standpoint, Xavier Harris had a big day up front. Uh, Perkins ended up with a good bit of tackles. Cedric Johnson had a big day. Were you? I, I don't even. I don't even necessarily know how you watch a game. If you're watching units or ball or players or what, but did you notice Perkins at any point today? Yeah, I, I mean, he he popped. I mean, he he certainly was around the football a lot, um, and and made the, his speed is evident. You know, the kid can run. Um, he's he's physical at the point of attack. You know, it's. It, it was a great way for him to get his feet wet. Next week will be be a little bit of a tail, um, you know, as far as how he plays against a little bit better competition. Um, but but I, he he wasn't a kid that got thrown out there and disappeared. You know, he, he, number four was around the ball a lot, and that's that's what you want to see out of a young player in that situation. Um, if he disappears and gets swallowed up and misfits things, then then there's a little concern, even if it's the first game. You know, um, but but he he was constantly around the football, and that that's always a positive sign. Huge uh, day for the quarterback position. They throw for five hundred and something all three together. Jackson Dart hits his first eleven passes. Uh, quarterback play, Pete. What you see? You know, I, I thought the biggest thing with Dart is is I don't know whether it's about him being comfortable or it's about him, them giving him more freedom. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of both. If I were to to put money on the table. Um, but out the jump, you know, I mean, a lot of those early completions were RPOs. Um, they, they weren't drop back passing plays and it was him seeing one-on-one coverage, him trusting his guys and, and giving them a ball that they could go make a play on. And, and they made some plays for it. Um, but the biggest thing to me, you know, one, I honestly, I thought pass protection was pretty good. Um, when they got to him or when they got to him late on some games or when they brought six and Ole Miss is protecting with five. Um, 
but I thought you saw him get through his progression and get to guys later in the play scheme more so today. And again, that should happen against Mercer, but it wasn't necessarily happening last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so to, to see him get from the front side all the way to the back side of a concept, there were, there were several times today, and I know without a visual it's hard, but you know one of the things that Ole Miss, one of the passing concepts that they rely heavily on is, is what's known as, as cross or why cross. And so you're going to put some type of a, like a two-man concept to the front side of the formation, and the quarterback has access to those, that route combination if he has matchup or a numbers advantage. But from the backside, you're bringing typically the inside receiver is running a deep cross, and the backside receiver, based on how you call or tag it or sometimes read it, the outside receiver on the backside is either going to run a curl or a post. He got back to that curl several times today, and he got there relatively quickly. Right? It shows an understanding of, of what the play, how the play is designed. It shows an understanding of what he was seeing from a coverage standpoint, and he was getting himself back to the end of his progression, getting balls out in time and finding windows. And so that that's certainly some growth and maturity um, for for him, I, I think. Um, you know, in the run game, they, they used him without overdoing it. You know, I don't think they wanted to put – put too much on him early um but but they certainly gave him the opportunity to run he showed last year he can be effective in that um so I, overall i mean i i thought that dart there weren't a ton of misses you know there, i mean I, I think what five incompletions and i think one might have been a, a drop on the ball that was a little high and one clearly looked like a busted route because he was looking at the sidelines giving a hand gesture he was fully expecting the receiver to do something different. So he certainly had a clean game. Um, it, it's what you want to see if you're going to you're gonna feel good about where they go moving forward. You needed to see that type of performance from him, I think. I know the talent is what it is, but can Mercer at least schematically show things that he will see in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, you know, f- football's football. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, sure. They, yeah, like yeah. you said, the, the, the talent's going to be different, but – um, Mercer's not inventing coverages that, that nobody else is going to run. Um, and then, um, you know, at, at, at the same time, theirs is going to look, you know, they can run the same cover four that everybody else is going to run, and it's just going to look different at times. Um, the big thing to me that was interesting today, and, and I don't, I don't want to make this sound like a bad thing, but you, you look at some of the completions early on, in particular the, the fade balls that he threw as RPOs, there wasn't necessarily a ton of separation by the mm-hmm. receivers, but there were great adjustments on great balls. Um, and that'll play, you know, a great ball and a great adjustment will be great coverage a lot of times because the offense has the ability to, to get the yellow flag much more often than the defense does. So I, I wouldn't call that a concern. I was not necessarily – I was kind of hoping you'd see the receivers pull away at some point. Um, when they got those man-on-man situations. But as long as they're connecting on those plays, you know, they, they, then you're still being efficient and you're creating explosives, and that's what you want to do. Continue on that for a second. With the play game now, where do you see this wide receiver group for Ole Miss? Um, you know, honestly, I, I felt like they were, you know, you've seen some improvement in some of the guys that have come back, right? I mean, you know, you, you look and – some of the guys that played last year look like they they're ready to, to try and take that next step. Um, 
obviously you, you get a gold mine with with the kid coming in from tech and the way that he starts his old miss career um it gives you that that presence to replace uh whether it's a uh you know a heath or a mingo um the fact that you saw three tight ends get involved today in the passing game all making athletic plays um and that's without the guy that's your starter um, I think that's a positive sign because as much as we want to talk about old, you know, Ole Miss wide receiver play, tight end play factors in in the the quality of the Ole Miss receiver play. Um, you know, opposite, uh, you know, to, to the to the other side, um, opposite of uh, of the LaTeX kid, and I'm, I'm still trying to Trey figure Harris. out all the names of this roster. Thank you. Uh, opposite of Harris, you know, on the outside, who's going to really emerge as the guy over there? That's that's going to be key. Um, but ultimately, I, I thought you saw a lot of guys play today that that were effective. Nobody looked lost. Nobody looked out of place. And there were certainly some guys that um, certainly some guys that made some plays when they had the opportunity to. How do we grade Harris today, like considering the competition versus the expectation moving forward? Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, it, it'd be hard to say you expect the same thing to happen at any point again the rest of the year. Um, but, okay. but you know, <laughs> well, from, sure. <laughs> but 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 from the standpoint, right? He he found windows in zone. Yeah, he yeah. caught the ball and made plays with the ball in his hand when he caught it in zone. Okay. He got matched up in man-to-man coverage and he won battles uh, when when the ball was there for him to win the battle. So from from that standpoint, I mean, you know the production that he had coming into the season and. The biggest thing to me is it certainly seemed like he and Dart are on the same page, right? And that's such a big thing. Um, and, and so a lot of that grade, there's so much upside there because those two seem to have a good connection. And, and he certainly, I mean, he adjusts to the ball in the air. He's a big physical presence. He's good with the ball in his hands after the catch. So he should be primed for a big year if they can keep teams from, from bracketing him. And then, that, again, that comes back to, how good are they, you know, how good is 11 going to be, how good are the tight ends going to be, and how much can they do some other things to prevent teams from bracketing Harris because he's going to get a lot of attention. You led me there. Hudson Wolf looks like he is uh, out for at least a little while after getting that catch and then getting injured. We know Priestcorn's out, at least from an expectation standpoint, a couple more weeks. The tight end spot today did a lot of kind of putting them out in the slot. They had them far out from the line of scrimmage. You had Heath, you had Trigg in the second half. Um, what's 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 the expectation there? Because you've got two guys that, that haven't played a ton of football, and this is the only two tight ends you have right now. You know, I, I think the thing is, and, and and I think to some degree, even going back to to when Lane first got to campus, and and he had Yaboa, who was certainly an athletic pass catching tight end. He was never a, a, a real physical presence in the run game. He mm-hmm. was enough, right? And, and even last year, you know, it, it's, it's, that position has not been a position that has been on the field to maul people for Ole Miss. They have been there to create extra gaps, to occupy bodies, and to do enough in the passing game. And the advantage, I think, the one thing I think you have with the two that seem to be healthy going in the next week is they both are athletic. They can both slip out, play in the slot, give you a presence as a pass catcher there, um, but but I don't think either one they they're not going to turn down opportunities in the run game. But I think one thing that Kiffin has shown to do a good job of since he's been at Ole Miss is find ways to create runs. And there were so long last year where they played essentially without a tight end, right? And they're mm-hmm. they're using Mingo as a tight end, 
and they're finding ways to be creative and let him still be a factor in the run game. So, I, I you know, another one goes down, I think there's some concern. I think right now sure. <laughs> they're going to play to the strength of those two as much as they can. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things about today, too, is, is um, teams are going to play to stop Judkins. I mean, they, they are. Between Dark's legs and, and, and the things that, that Four has shown the ability to do, Ole Miss is going to have to be able to operate on the outside in the RPO world, and they showed the ability to do that today. And the flip side of that is, is, is that those tight ends can also be a part of that because they are athletic and they, 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 they can do things out of the backfield or off the line of scrimmage or in the slot as receivers. And I, I would expect Ole Miss to try to take advantage of that as much as they can. Yeah, I'm looking at Ole Miss is you know even even late they were still throwing the football a pretty good bit. Their uh, their run pass mix today, 33 uh, rushes, 41 passes for Ole Miss. Is was that a sign of a lot of RPOs and the pass being the the best option in that? I mean, it, it, did we already see a sneak peek of teams loading up to take away Judkins and force the throws? I think there were certainly times where where that was the case. Um, I, I think this is also one where you know quarterbacks, whether it was a numbers game or not, they looked out and they saw their guy in, in a favorable matchup and they, they gave him the ball. Um, it, at the same time, um, you know, there were a few times where I thought, man, he, he could have handed that ball off and it had somewhere to go. But I never thought it was a bad decision at the same time. Right? Okay. He, he's There's times where they show an end zone cut and especially with Ole Miss, they, they would get, you know, four wide receivers, no tight end and Ole Miss would run a little gap scheme. They would pull the guard to insert on the linebacker, and and he would he would have free space to just pull up and throw a hitch or throw something quick out there that was essentially guaranteed yards. And they would show a, a clip of it after the play, like show the replay from the end zone. And it's like sure, if he hands that ball off, mm-hmm. there's somewhere to go. But but from a quarterback standpoint, if if a lot of times those routes on the outside are referred to as gift routes, if they are going to give you a gift, you're going to take it. You know, and and that's what the quarterbacks did a lot of today. So I I think if you looked at the actual, you know, somebody in the box or on the sideline is writing down every play that gets called, right? And if you were to look at it, the actual run to pass ratio was higher than than it plays out on the stat sheet. But that is because of the RPO game and how many times quarterbacks felt comfortable pulling the trigger on the RPO today. Overall, uh, offense defense, what grade do you give them each side? Oh, I, I mean, I, I think both sides were considering first game. I think both sides were really good. I, I Ole Miss has not ever, even as effective as <laughs> Ole Miss has been running the football mm-hmm. in the past few years, they've never truly just mauled people up front. It's not the style of play that they have to play to be successful. They They create gaps and they create numbers and they do so many different things so well with good running backs because they've certainly had those since Kiffin has been there that, that they create running lanes. And, and today I, there were times where there was not necessarily a ton of push up front, but again, that's, that's not the game that they're trying to play. It, 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 this is not a, give me a tight end and a fullback. And we're building a ton of double teams. Um, and, and, and we're doing all these things. It, it, it's so much about you get on the body, you maintain the block, and we're going to create enough space for our back to hopefully go spit it and make a guy miss at the second level. 
So there were some times where maybe I'd like to say, you know, God, I wish we'd move the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Um, but, but again, we saw the ball come out and end up being thrown on those calls so mm-hmm. many different times because I think the, the, the way the defense presented the number of players in the box, the, the matchups were there on the outside. And, and I don't care what offensive line you have. If you're outnumbered in the box, you're never going to, you're never going to watch it as a fan on television and go, Oh man, we're killing them up front. Well, not when they have two extra guys in the box. It, it's never going to look like that. So, um, so it's hard to say that they weren't effective running the football today because in all honesty, they were just that effective throwing the football. Um, but uh, I think that's that's one thing is continuing to see how much how much can they really do. They were also incredibly simple in the run game today. They did not do very much, in my opinion. Um, they're so good at all their little wrinkles and stuff, and they 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 were very very basic in what they did today. The entire offensive game plan, um, and and so I, I think you know it's hard to hard to downgrade them with the the stats that they put out and the points they put out, knowing that they were that simple. Um, defensively, I, honestly, after that first play, there were very few times in the game where I was I was disappointed. I, I think um, there were times where you know it's okay. I can't tell how fast this defense is. You know uh, where Mercer would get the ball on the edge. Number one for Mercer. Um, I don't know what year that is that kid's in, but if he, if he you know, as quick as that kid looked, if he ends up in the portal, he'll end up somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Mercer had a little bit of speed on the field, and it was hard to tell at times how. How fast is this Ole Miss defense, in particular the secondary? Um, but I, I thought that just from a physical standpoint, I thought that the Ole Miss box, the D-line and linebackers, looked like an SEC defense when they took the field, and that has not always been the case the past few years. Yeah. Last uh, thing, and I'll give you your Saturday back. What's the what's kind of the one thing that you want to see against Tulane next week? What's the, what's the thing that's going to stick in your mind as the week goes on? You know, um, I, I'm just I'm curious to see against better players how Ole Miss can win the one-on-one matchups defensively in okay. particular. Um, early in the game, they were playing off. They were willing to give Mercer some some easy throws underneath. In the second half, they came down, they tightened up, and they just said, "You know what? We're not going to make you, we're going to make you beat us over the top." And Mercer wasn't able to do that. Um, and and so I'm curious to see against better competition at Tulane. What does that look like? Does he trust the secondary enough to push him forward and play tight? Is he going to keep him off a little bit because he feels like he wants to protect him? Uh, curious to see what that looks like on the defensive side of the ball. And then offensively, um, you know, I, I just want to see if, you know, I want to see what they look like next week with presumably a, a full game plan and, and really trying to, trying to get into it. Um, because today I think the best thing the offense did was they spread it around to so many different people. Um, and and really built some depth and, and experience in guys and, and showed the both ability and willingness to spread it all over the field. And as long as they can continue to do that, not always hone in on Harris, not always hone in on Judkins and some of these things, then I, they're just going to make them a better team offensively. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, bud. I look forward to uh, your pigskin preview heading into uh, New Orleans and Tulane next week, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Thank you. Take all care, Trey. Right. Pete DeWeese, they're joining us for uh, the MPW Digital post-game show. Always great stuff for him. He takes you, he makes you smarter, he makes you a better watcher of uh, the uh, game of football there. So I really appreciate his time, something we just kind of threw together today. 
to uh, provide that for you again. The uh, Pete's Pigskin preview comes every week on our YouTube channel. It's in podcast form as well as he uh, he breaks down, and you would have gotten a really good read for uh, Mercer and Ole Miss today if you did check that out. So if you didn't, starting next week, Tulane, better opponent, do that because you will uh, you will watch the game. You will be, have more enjoyment from watching the game because you'll you'll understand it better. So uh, just heads up on that. We are going to call Neil McCready now. I think he's ready. So let's see if we can get uh, get Neil on the phone. He stayed for the whole game. I was in the stadium. I was there for uh, for some of it. Got here in time to uh, to do the uh, the post game show. So let's call Neil. See if we can get him on the uh, the horn now. Let's see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Chase? You are live. How are you? I am good. How are you? Oh, um, I'm, it, it's it's been a bit of a show, but it's going okay. We're we're we're, we're hanging in. We are soldiering on. We are we're. we're as Ginger, Ginger said, we are showing all the patience, and we, we are to this point, so we got to you. We're all good. All, no no, no the, problem at all. Technical stuff, you mean? Uh, well, the cam- my, my camera froze up for about 20 minutes. Um, I could turn them off, turn them on, do everything, and it still would not unfreeze. So my frozen face, like Mitch McConnell, was just sitting in the middle of the screen for like 20 minutes. And then... Um, <laughs> After that, my uh, my laptop started giving me all these error messages, and the my entire computer shut down in the middle of the show. Um, I was able to keep my composure, restart my entire computer, and get it back going in time. We did not even lose the stream and lose the link. We were in the same link that we were in with me restarting oh, my impressed. computer. Yeah, it was it was a it was a minute. Uh, so we're we're all good. We, we we lost a couple minutes of Jeffrey as we were talking about Dion and uh, and TCU, but otherwise it was uh it, it was all good. And I I will say this as we get going. Actually, real quick before we do this, uh, Neil will not mind. He's just hanging out. 
Uh, is your column up, by the way, uh, at Rebel Grove? Or are uh, you yes. at that point? Yeah, my column's up, and I've put up a, a fairly brief notebook. Okay, notebook's there. I've got a rapid reaction, Neil's column. So, rebelgrove.com. But before I get into the conversation with Neil, let me tell you real quick about Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea, packs a flavorable punch, 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team, whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot are hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. Let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. I was saying that I, I don't know if it was the case even as recently in the last couple of weeks. We haven't really talked about it. You and I both kind of pulling for Dion today against the, uh, the Horn Frogs. Yeah, I went into the day. I mean, I think I was kind of cheering for them to lose. And then as the game went on, I kind of caught myself cheering for them to win. And I don't really know why that is. I, I think everybody being so against him, wanting him to fail so badly, has made me want him to succeed just almost out of spite. It's fair. Why not? Hey, look, he's I mean, going to be interesting every time. He's going to win or lose a game and be interesting every time. Now, he goes into the press conference and starts doing the receipts thing. And I mean, you're just used to it, but it's like, okay, stop. Chill out. Yeah, and that makes, me want to cheer, that makes me want to cheer against him. Right, again. But, we're there again. So I know. Yeah, we're just back and forth. But, boy, Travis Hunter. I mean, I had that game on my computer, as you know, uh, during the Ole Miss game. And they started long before Ole Miss did. But Travis Hunter's a beast. He's he's amazing. I mean, and Shador Sanders played really really well. That was a fun, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, on the day when you're covering seventy three to seven, yeah. I mean that game that game was compelling. It was fun. Uh, anything from Lane of note? I saw in the uh, people in our stream saying that Hudson Wolf a collarbone injury for uh, the tight end after making his first career catch. Uh, yeah, Wolf. You know, Lane will not talk about injuries or discipline. He said that Michael, the decision to play Michael Trigg in the second half was unrelated to Wolf's situation. Okay. I'll, I'll take him at his word. Um, the interesting thing in the postgame was obviously the first question was about Dart and the quarterback. And was Dart the – basically was Dart the quarterback moving forward? And he didn't go there. He, he went back to – competition is good and they'll you know that both guys played and both guys played really really well and um he praised sanders for for staying focused because he didn't get in until you know mid third quarter and said that they'd you know go back this week and 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 compete and go from there I mean, he is not naming a starting quarterback i asked jackson if that frustrated him and he gave the you can only control what you control answer and that he uh you know that, that lane's the boss and 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 um those weren't exactly his words but basically said you know lane makes the calls here and that he can only control what he can control and that his goal is to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country and that you know he he, he wasn't surprised he's the starter he thinks he's the starter he things like that i mean i i'll be honest i don't get it but i mean Whatever. I mean, that it, it, we're at least going to do this for another week, apparently. You know, so and, and Lane's going to act frustrated when we ask about quarterback stuff. But 
he could make the quarterback thing go away by saying Jackson's the starting quarterback, you know, until he's not. I think that would that would stop the questions until he wasn't. But that's not that's not where we're going. And, and um, but yeah, that was the the big thing from post game. We talked to um, Trey Harris, obviously, who admitted that it happened so fast that he looked up and was like, "Wow, that he couldn't believe how quick it happened." Three minutes and fifteen seconds, we had three touchdowns. But um, that was about it. I mean, you know, there's. I don't know about you. I don't. I don't know how much you truly can take positively or negatively from a game like this, where it's such a mismatch. Um, Lane was very pleased with his team, though. He, he thought they played with a lot of intensity and and um, very they executed very well on offense. Obviously, and, and uh, was was very pleased with with his team, other than a fumble and a the giving up the seventy five yard run on the first play. I mean, you're just following Pete. Come on, I need all the takes. I need all the schematic things that Ole Miss did against Mercer that worked or didn't work. I mean, just I'm just curious. Let's see how right you are compared to Pete. I'll run you through all the questions and see see, see how it goes. Uh, I will fail. I will fail miserably <laughs> compared to Pete. Uh, Pete was very pleased with Ole Miss. I will tell you that to kind of guide through heading into a Thursday. He thought offensively and defense they were they were close to ace. He thought they were very good on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, so. well, I mean, defensively, after that first run, I think they gave up 14 yards of, of rushing offense. I mean, they, you know, they they had they fit really well. Um, they played a lot of guys. Um, look, Perkins Perkins is going to play a lot. It's obvious that he's an impact player. Um, they did some different things with Cedric Johnson. I, I have a suspicion that they were pretty vanilla defensively. Um, you know, and then and we talked about this in, in Pete's show on, on uh, Thursday is that against Mercer, they're going to do a lot of eye candy stuff, a lot of misdirection stuff, because that's their only chance to have success against a, a bigger team. And, um, you know, so you have to be pretty disciplined. And you saw that on the first play. I mean, I'm sure that was a bust. And, um, but after that, they, they were in the right place and they made a lot of plays and, and created some turnovers. They scored in special teams. They, they 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 did a lot of they did a lot of things well. I mean, look, they look like a really good team. I'm just not going to be the guy that goes, "Oh yeah, here they go," because I mean, that was Mercer, and you know, you just that wasn't that wasn't the most athletic team in the world. And like I keep telling people, when when people say, "What do you think?" They play Alabama three weeks from today. We're we're going to find out. I mean, we're going to find out really soon what they are or, or what they aren't because they play Alabama three weeks from today. They play LSU right here in this stadium four weeks from today. But if if you are using today as a point of reference, I think it's odds are overwhelming that you're pretty pleased with what you saw. It's a, it's a deep team. We knew that. It's a talented team. We knew that. I think they're more balanced on offense than they were a year ago. I think they're a little better up front. They're certainly a little deeper than they were up front on offense a year ago defenses are going to uh, key on Quinshawn Judkins and try to take him away and they have a you know a, a, an arsenal of guys that can make you pay for that that's before we even see Caden Priestcorn that's before we potentially see Zakari Franklin there's there's more weapons that you know that haven't even been been utilized yet what I what really struck me today was how much more comfortable and Jackson had told me that he was more comfortable when I talked to him at the beginning of camp, he just, it's very obvious that he's more comfortable in the offense. He's more comfortable in his role. Um, I think, I think the game is moving a little slower for him. I think there's just, there's less things rolling through his brain pre-snap and, and, and that kind of thing. I think he's more decisive and 
I thought that was pretty evident when you watched him play today. Back to to Dart for a second. I mean, what 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 do you feel? I mean, we're speculating, and we'll do a lot more of this on Monday. I guess this is just the the quick little reaction for the post game show, but. What is it that is going to make Lane not do this anymore? I mean, I get time goes on, but, you know, Altmaier was kind of, like, manipulated into being more of a part of the second game last year when they played Central Arkansas. I mean, what what, what does this look like? I mean, what, 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 do you even, what would you even predict right now if I told you to predict it? I mean, I think Jackson's the starting quarterback. I think he's been the starting quarterback for weeks. I don't know why publicly we're doing this other than Perhaps it's just an attempt to keep Spencer Sanders as locked in and, and as possible. Maybe you're maybe you're there's concern on his part that, that Spencer would walk away from it. I don't know. I'm I'm totally guessing. I, I have no clue. I don't what I know is that Jackson Dart has started thirteen of Ole Miss's last fourteen games and very much looks the part of a starting quarterback and you know, at some point you have to show confidence in your guy and you've got to say, Hey, he's, he's our guy and we believe in him. And, you know, cause the next obvious question is, well, what happens if he throws an interception? If he has a bad drive or two, is he, is he looking over his shoulder? Are, you, are we doing, what, how does this work? And, you know, because like I said, they're getting ready to start playing some better teams. So Tulane in a week and Georgia tech here in two weeks. And then, you know, the rest, I mean, Alabama, LSU, it's boom, boom. It's right there. So we're going to, we're going to know a whole lot about this team in four weeks. And so I, I would think you want your quarterback to be as, you know, confident and, and secure as possible. But, look, I'm not a head coach. So I don't I don't know what all the dynamics are and, and what the relationships are with those people. And Sanders came in, and I thought Sanders played well. I mean, it was late in the game, and but he did some good things. And, um, so it, it, look, it's a it's, – it's, it's Probably a nice problem to have, but I do think at some point it, it, there's the potential for it being a problem for them. Where if he Jackson makes a mistake or two, and you you put in Sanders and he plays well for a little bit, what what happens then? I mean, I I think keeping both of these guys happy uh, over the course of a season is going to be a challenge. Georgia Tech, meanwhile, last night losing to Louisville, really game, gave a game away last night. They played pretty well, but the Cardinals win that one, 39-34 um, in Atlanta for that game. They've got their FCS game this week. They play South Carolina State prior to uh, Ole Miss in uh, two weeks, 6.30 back at Baltimore West Stadium for that start time. Yeah, I mean, Jackson Dart, I mean, it was it was almost perfect. 18 of 23, 334-4. Um, 257. One of, those was a, one of those was a drop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then I, Sanders, 8 of 14, 134 for him and two. Yeah. I mean, Jackson, you know, four TDs, no, no picks. I didn't think he, I didn't think he missed through a ball really the whole day. Kind of, kind of pulled the string on one where I think as he was letting it go, he, didn't think he was throwing it to the right place and basically threw it away, but he was pretty close to perfect. I, I, I didn't think he, uh, he stepped up and took a hit and, and, and made a really nice throw. I thought he converted some third downs. He just did a lot of good things. He, he looked like a very good quarterback, but again, it's Mercer, but he, I, I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked much improved over a year ago. I don't remember a game last year where I thought he looked that in command as he did today. 
And then it's a really, really small sample size late in the game against an FCS team. But uh, Walker Howard, three for four for uh, 56 yards and, and short time there for him. He was fine. Yeah. No issue. He was fine. Yeah. I, I, I was hardly watching at that point. I was trying to get, <laughs> trying to get stuff done. And I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, at that point, 60 something, 66 to seven, you're just, your focus is, your focus is a little shot. And I, and I, I feel like I can, I can admit that most of the stadium was emptied out by that point. I have a feeling that there were a lot of people that had emptied out into bars and the Grove and things of that nature. So they had lost their, uh, they had lost their focus as well by that point. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss was one score away from their most points ever in a season opener. That is from uh, UT Martin. No, actually, this might have tied it. I don't remember. It was either tied or just behind um, the UT Martin Ole Miss game in 2015 under uh, Freeze and Chad Kelly and whatever that was, the Jason Simpson, Simpson game we always laugh about. Um, I think they scored 76 in 2018 against Southern Illinois, and then they were pretty good ways away from the all-time record. That was 114 against Southwest Baptist. Um, Jordan Watkins with a Southwest pumper. Southwest Baptist sucked, yeah, man. Yeah. Southwest Baptist <laughs> was a bad team. That is very true. Yeah, 114 in 1904. Hey, it's much – because it was maybe my favorite stat of the day is – Ten years since a punt return for a touchdown. Jordan Watkins doing it today. Jeff Scott, the last time that it, uh, it, it happened for the Rebels. There was a lot of years where the goal was just to catch the punt. And no matter what, do not move it forward. Do not do anything. Just catch the ball and then move forward. But ten years, they break that streak today since the last time that happened. It was that's a, That is an amazing stat that it took ten years to return a punt for a touchdown. You know, I always felt like Corvick Meat was right there. I, mean, yeah. I always felt like this was the one that he was taking it to the house. You had Corvick, and then for a while they couldn't find anybody, so it was Jordan Holder's job to just catch the football. Just catch it. Yeah, don't That's run. It. Just catch it. Just catch yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss had two drops, by the way, from receivers. Again, Trey Harris, the uh, the big day. But um, anyway, just something I see there. They also were really, really good on third down. Completed a fourth down as well. So, a lot, we'll get into it as the week goes on and tomorrow, but tons of stats and Ole Miss's favor in a game that they won to the level they did. Uh, scores around the SEC as of right now. Stayed up 48-7 on Southeastern Louisiana. That game ending 117 left in the fourth quarter. Um, Georgia has been incredibly sluggish today. They're up 7-0 on UT Martin uh, midway through the second quarter right now. Um, they're in Athens. He has 7-0 Bulldogs. Uh, and Jason Simpson, as speaking of, uh, midway second right now. Now they are driving; they're at the twelve yard line, but seven nothing. Um, A and M plays tonight. Alabama plays tonight. Vanderbilt plays tonight. Hawaii showed pretty well last night. Stanford beat them by a couple scores, but might want to give Clark Lee a little more credit than I've been giving as the week has gone on. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina is the big one starting in about half an hour, and then LSU tomorrow. Um, Looking here, Kentucky ends up covering 44-14 over Ball State earlier today. Um, so that one did not go well for the home team. And then uh, Tennessee covering easily. Uh, they route Virginia there in Nashville, 49-13 over the uh, the Hoos today. And then uh, what did Arkansas. Auburn do? Uh, Auburn covered, I assume. I don't remember the line, but they won 59-14. 38. Yes. Uh, ooh, yeah, 38. They yeah, they covered. Yeah. Yeah, easily. Sorry, mind. 45 is what they won by. Yeah, Freeze had it cooking there uh, on the planes. 
Auburn scored 21 in the second quarter and 21 in the third quarter, outscoring them 42 to nothing over those two quarters. Praise be to God. That'll do I mean, it. I'm sorry. I mean, that was, that was a great, great, great performance. My question is, did he get pulled? This is for the stream. Did he get pulled or uh, did UMass bench their starter? I talked I, all, all that about UMass's quarterback all week, and I, he might have gotten benched. They played two quarterbacks today. Or maybe they just pulled him once the game was in hand. I don't know. Uh, Peyton, I, am, I am unaware. Peyton Thorne for Auburn, 10 of 17, 141. Uh, and then Robbie Ashford played a little bit. I don't know what he did. The stream I mean, I, says – uh, go ahead. I think Ashford played well. Did he really? Okay. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, he's, he's – look, Ashford's the kind of guy that for some of the stuff that he likes to do running the quarterback, he's, he's going he's gonna to fit that pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then I see in the stream they're saying Kincaid Den is currently four for eight for six yards for uh, UT Martin. I mean, Georgia defensively is – Georgia defensively is the offense that we're all wondering about. And that's the uh, that's the question. So we'll see. Uh, any any last takes thoughts today? No, did Lane mention crowd at all? He did not mention the okay. crowd. That was good. Um, good, good for him. That was good. That was that took some discipline on his part, but he did not. Um, okay. No, he was pleased with his team. I mean, look, I think this is a really good team. I, I've said that for a while. I do. I think this is a really good team. I think it's a going to end up being a really good division. Um, today did nothing to change my mind on any of that. Um, you look at Auburn doing what they did against UMass and, and, and State doing what it's doing against Southeastern Louisiana and Arkansas did what it did with Western Carolina and Ole Miss did what it did with Mercer. And You know, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting season in the West because someone has to finish last, and I don't think there's a bad team. But this is... Ole Miss is a really good team that I think has a chance to be an elite team. They've got to put a few things together on defense still. I think they've – there were some moments defensively where I thought they looked a little slow. Some of that just might be because when you're up so big, you just don't play with the same level of intensity because you're human. Um, they played a lot of players in the first half. I thought that was a real positive thing for them in building depth. Um, and then offensively, I think it's – like we talked about, I think it's got a chance to be a really explosive offense. And, um, but I, I, I'm trying to be super cautious in my own mind that I'm not taking too much away from 73-7 to 7 over an FCS team that is probably a pretty average FCS team, is my guess. They're just not very big. I didn't see a lot of speed. Uh, they, they weren't particularly good in any facet. So I'm just trying to sort of say, hey, we're going to learn a lot more starting next week, and we will we'll learn a lot more about this team in the next few weeks. But I think all of the pieces are there for this to be a really fun, interesting, good Ole Miss team. You could also wait a little money today if anyone wanted to take the Rebels to cover. I think you could have gotten that line actually in the 30s today against oh. the, against the Bears. Yeah, I wish someone would have told me because I would have <laughs> taken it. I, I, I think I think at one point Jeffrey told me he got it. Let me run back through that real quick. Let's see what what he had that as. Because uh, I think I told you all week I thought this was going to be an absolute mauling. Uh, yeah, which is exactly what it was. Jeffrey got it at thirty four. Oh God, Jeffrey should have called me. Yeah, thirty four on that one. I would have paid a couple of mortgage notes with that. <laughs> you felt real good. I mean, about I was, I, I, Well, I mean, I just told you all week because, like, I don't, I don't know why we're. This is this is going to be an absolute blowout. 
I mean, I, I, I thought it would be, I don't know what I picked in picks. I just threw a number out there, but my honest thoughts were 60 something to seven, 10. I just thought, I just thought it was going to be bad. I didn't, when they couldn't score more than 17 points against North Alabama, I thought they're not scoring against Ole Miss. Athletically, they just won't match up. And I knew Ole Miss would score at will. I mean, Ole Miss could have scored 100 points today if it wanted to. I'm going to ask you this again on Monday, but what's your overreaction uh, meter on Colorado and TCU? Uh, you know what? I think Colorado, watch, after watching them today, now they don't, I don't know what kind of depth they have. They're going to be fun. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to give up a lot of points. Um, they're going to be a lot of fun. I mean, look, and, and if he can if he can recruit a couple more years, he's got a really good. What he doesn't get credit for, Chase, is he's got a really good coaching staff there. He does. If you ever look at the coaching staff that he's put together, it's kind of impressive. Um, and then on TCU. I think my reaction is last year, you know, they're the baseball team that wins a whole bunch of one-run games. And the next season, people hype them up, and you're like, man, they they could have easily been a different team. TCU won a lot of super close games last year. And to their credit, I mean, they had a special season. They went to the national championship game. Not taking anything away from them, but they would have had a hard time repeating that season if, if you'd played it again. Um, and I think you kind of see that a little bit now. They just, they're limited. I assume uh, Lane had no further comment on Michael Trigg. He did not, uh, other than I asked him, I asked him specifically if the plan had changed for him at the half, because you couldn't help but wonder if the plan was for him not to play today. And then when, they were down to one tight end because Prescorn obviously wasn't available. And then Wolf got hurt, and you're down to just Heath. Um, I don't know where Javante Connor is or isn't. He was dressed. To, I, saw him, I saw him dressed, but beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Trigg was not dressed, and then he got dressed. Yes. And so I asked, and he said that that was not real interrelated. So, again, I have <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm skeptical, but I'm going to take him at his word. Yeah, sure. I, I, mean, have, I have, I have, absolutely, I have, I mean, what, whatever. I have no proof that it wasn't the case. Kari Coleman, I know, played in the second half. I'm not sure if he played in the first. Xavion Harris played the whole game and played well, really good today. Xavion made it, was their best defensive lineman today, outside of Cedric in the first half. He did. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, all, the the preseason um, the discipline was uh, not uh, was not um, <laughs> yeah it, 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 it was not iron fist play. today um, yeah no it's 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 pretty lax this is uh yeah it's mm-hmm. yep yeah you're playing SEC football um anyway what's uh what, what's the spirit I know spirit of choice you got about fifty minutes right now to get get uh get ready for South Al and uh and Tulane. And at seven o'clock, you know, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I think uh, I think tequila's in my future oh. um, here fairly fairly soon. I, I think Laura said something about um, an aperol margarita. She found a recipe for an aperol margarita, and as someone who really <sighs> likes margaritas and who also likes aperol, I said, "Why not?" 
You're good with the Aperol. It's not kind of bitter at times for you. You're okay. No, I like okay. Aperol. I like Aperol. I like Campari. I like both. And then she said that you put a, a, a Prosecco float on the top of it. And as someone who also likes Prosecco, I say, hey, why not? I mean, I'll okay. try one. And if it and oh, so it's kind of Aperol receipt. spritzy, but not. No, it's tequila triple sec. It's, yeah. a, it's a margarita with okay. Aperol in it, and you put the thing on the top. And, yeah, it's kind of like combining a margarita with an Aperol spritz. And Listen, I'll, I'll admit this out loud. If you want to take my man card, go for it. I, I'm cool. I live in a house full of women, and I like Aperol spritz. I'm cool with it. When they're like, hey, let's do Aperol spritz, I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. I, I'm not... I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, no, I can't do that. It's not the most masculine drink in the world. No, I'm good with that. When when Campbell and Caroline are home and they, they want to do Aperol spritzes, I'm I'm perfectly fine operating in that world. Okay. Yeah, Aperol spritz is kind of like the new Pimm's Cup. That used to be like the thing that went around whatever, and now it's it's, it's the Aperol yeah. spritz that's – Yeah. That's... <laughs> I've seen guys make fun of it. I've seen guys make fun yeah. of it, and I'm like, Man, listen, I mean – I'm cool with it. I mean, it's, there are worse things than an Aperol spritz. So you're TV wanting and TV twoing, and you're doing the YouTube TV thing on South Alto Lane and then South Carolina, North Carolina. Yes, and I'm That's gonna put plan. Cubs Reds on my. Com- I'm gonna put Cubs Reds on my computer and okay. hope that they don't ruin my that they don't ruin my night. Last night the Cubs ruined my night to the point that I, I I turned everything else off. I was so mad at them blowing a save. So they were up in the ninth. They were up in the night with one out, nobody on, and blew it. But it happens, you know. I keep reminding myself, they're not good enough to win. <laughs> they're not good enough to win. Let it be. Just let it be. And, and then in the moment, I have a hard time doing that. You, you are pre, you're previewing my NFL football season when I get really pissed off at the Saints for blowing a game to move to 6-5 yes. on the season. And you go, okay. But- yes. <laughs> yes. What difference does it make? <laughs> yes, you're go- you are going to experience. Yes, when you go, hey, the Saints are not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're not winning the Super Bowl. And you're going to tell yourself that, and on Tuesday through Friday, you'll be fine. And then Sunday's going to roll around, and they're going to be up twenty-three to fourteen going into the fourth, and lose the game to drop to seven and five. And you're going to just be steamed all day, and then you're going to get mad at yourself. Because you're like, why do I do this to myself? They're not good enough to go to the Super Bowl, and I know it. Yet they're right. There. I'm just and trying like, to win this shitty division right now. That's all we're doing. You're we're like, just trying to win but, the bad division. What you do, and you're like, yeah, I just, I'm just trying to win the wild card here. Yeah. But I know because then the part of me goes, boy, but you know, if they got into a wild card series, Steel pitched a really good game, and uh-huh. I'm, 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 I hate myself for it. I was, I let it kind of piss me off last night, and I was then I got pissed off at myself for getting pissed off. I think I've had a really bad day in picks to the point of I don't know that I've gotten but one game right that's had an actual line to it. Um, and then it looks like your Siski picks are not going overly well either. Boise State getting wrecked by Washington right now, 56-19 Huskies uh, oh. in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And uh, Cal worked over North Texas pretty good as well. Um, oh, did they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I didn't see a final, but they were up several touchdowns at one point, so – you know, the level of, of preparation that I put into those picks yes. it typically is reflected in the results. Yes. You, you, you definitely, it takes longer to build the actual content item than the preparation to put the picks into the content item. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, it's, I was very pl- proud of everybody involved, though. This was the first time in modern history that everyone's <laughs> picks were in by mid-Wednesday. I was so pleased. 
because I, I was so prepared to go, why why are you people taking this seriously? Let's just get it in. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. So, all right. Uh, we'll be back with a, uh, another podcast with you on Monday. Um, take care. Get home, and we'll uh, we'll talk as Tulane and South Alpine tonight. All right, man. Uh, be good. All right, later. Neil McCready there joining us on the hotline. Again, uh, Pete DeWeese, Jeffrey Wright as well. I really hate I cut Jeffrey off here at the end because I was enjoying talking to him as I do every single Saturday. He's given up a lot of his time for that. And then Pete jumping in, kind of unexpected there as well. Um, a lot of content up at rebelgrove.com. Again, the games we're watching tonight, Tulane, South Alabama, Ole Miss's next opponent. And then South Carolina, North Carolina also there with us, uh, with us too. So good stuff coming up. On uh, on those, and we will um, be back Monday for the uh, podcast. What just happened right there? I have no idea what happened. Um, let's see. Let's go to a different page just to try to protect whatever that was. Yeah, I don't know. Picture went away. That's fine. We'll find it. We'll get it back. Um, anyway, thanks to you guys. That that stream messing up really screwed me up there. So you having some patience, sticking with me. That was uh, that was huge. I, I can't thank everybody enough for uh, for doing that. Ole Miss looks really good today. You guys probably in a good mood and going to the night games. Happy is I think the the, the Rebels take care of Tulane pretty handedly next week. Um, even if my picks this week have not reflected that very well, I think they uh, they're they're going to do well in Uptown New Orleans, uh, just off Carrollton, playing the Green Wave. So um, again, really appreciate that, Jeffrey, Pete, and Neil. Be back on Monday for another episode of the show, a full week heading into Ole Miss and Tulane, and we'll talk to you then. Take care and have a good night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.